0: Listeners, we've got another terrifying episode of Volumes of Fear. Without further ado... That, that was your cue. Oh, oh, I'm
1: sorry. Can we do it again?
0: <sighs> yeah, just make sure you're paying attention.
2: Uh, right, right. Let's try again.
0: Okay, listeners, we've got another terrifying episode of Volumes of Fear. Without further ado... It's
2: time. For terror. How was that?
0: It was really good. Would have been better if you had hit the button right after you said it. See, it's all about timing. That's critical and vital to every. Per- Prepare
3: yourself for a tale of terror and suspense. Presented by Crimson Knight Productions. This is Volumes of Fear.
4: lunatics, it is that time once again for suspense. The kind that only volumes of fear can drum up. And in this episode of Volumes of Fear, we will look at a recent catastrophe that occurred in our town. A catastrophe that saw a group of brain-eating zombies attack the residents. But of course, we look more importantly at the big question. Who let the zombies out? Without further ado... Wait! 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 What? 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 What was that?
0: It's a new track I made special for this episode. Do you like it?
4: It's a bit, you know, not really our style.
0: Well, I spent a lot of time on it. He
4: did. I watched. He really labored really over it. <sighs> Very well. It's. Uh... Very well, listeners. Enjoy this episode of Volumes of Fear called Who Let the Zombies Out? Go for it.
0: Help!
5: This is East Ridge Public Radio. I'm Curtis Baxter, and you're listening to Baxter's Take, an expose on the happenings of East Ridge, USA. I ask the questions, you get the answers, and we tell the story. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Curtis Baxter, and welcome to Baxter's Take here on East Ridge Public Radio. I hope the day is being good to you and yours. With that, let's get into it. You all know our little town of Eastridge as a slice of Americana. It's a place where suburbia thrives and traditional values are still held near and dear. But it was only three weeks ago that our small piece of paradise found itself immersed in blood, guts, and unimaginable terror when a horde of brain-eating zombies attacked the downtown. The scene of carnage all started on a Saturday afternoon in the town square during a demonstration by world champion skipper Topher Powers. Mr. Powers was putting on a clinic that demonstrated the proper ways to skip, and why skipping isn't just a great exercise, but also a fun activity for the whole family. However, the joy brought on by this unique and eccentric form of exercise was not to last, as not long after the demonstration began, anarchy broke out and the undead attacked. Now, we're going to play for you a series of remarkable audio clips that captured the zombie chaos. These audio clips that you're about to hear were recorded by a junior reporter from East Ridge Public Radio News named Paige Booker. Paige was originally on scene to do a story about Topher Powers and his mission. Yet, when the brain-eating madness broke out, she was there to witness it all and got some extraordinary sound bites. I'll give you a summary in between the clips. Let's go ahead and play the first recording. A simple introductory assessment with some excitement from the crowd.
6: Hello listeners, this is Paige Booker with the East Ridge Public Radio News. I'm coming to you from downtown East Ridge where world champion skipper Topher Powers is putting on a demonstration for residents. As you can hear in the background, Mr. Powers is telling the attendees about the benefits of skipping and why it's hip to skip. We have an interview planned with Mr. Powers, but before we get to that, let's take a minute and ask a few residents what they think of Mr. Powers and his
5: message. Page set the stage well with a simple introduction of the happening. The event for Mr. Powers was well attended with nearly 200 people showing up. The police department even blocked off a portion of the downtown to give Topher plenty of room to demonstrate his craft. Our next clip features an interview with an attendee that Page acquired.
6: Listeners, I'm standing here in downtown Eastridge, and I've got a serious skipping enthusiast here who is really excited about seeing Topher Powers. Sir, what's your name, and what are you excited about today?
2: My name is Nicholas Dweeb, and today I'm very excited to see Topher Powers.
6: So I take it you're a fan?
2: Oh, I'm a huge fan of Topher Powers. I sort of met him once a few years ago. I ended up getting so nervous I spewed vomitus on his suede vest. Despite his understanding, I felt so bad. When I heard he'd be doing a demonstration right here in Eastridge, I knew I just had to make things right. He's one of my heroes, after all. So I actually got this new suede vest for him. It has tassels and his name is embroidered on the back. I'm just so jazzed to give it to him.
6: Wow, that sure is a lot of sequins.
2: Yeah, I did those myself, in my free time.
6: Well, thank you. I hope you enjoy the event.
2: I'm sure I will. I know if I have the right attitude, I can enjoy anything.
5: A true enthusiast is interviewed and we see the positive effect that Topher Powers is having on this crowd. But it's during this next interview that Page Booker noticed that something was dreadfully amiss.
6: The excitement is certainly uh, at an all-time high. Sir, are you enjoying the demonstration?
7: Oh, totally,
4: without question. Even though I've never been. I consider myself more of a surfer, you know, like catching gnarly waves and what have you. But this skipping thing is pretty tubular. I can see myself tossing the board and feeling the flow of the skip, you know?
6: That's great. What would you say you enjoy most about skipping? Wait a minute. What's going on over there?
7: Those people aren't skipping all that good.
6: No, they're actually not skipping at all. It looks like a fight at the retirement
7: home. They're
4: like eating each other or something.
6: Something's not right. What's going on?
5: And it was there, in the middle of her interview with one of the more well-spoken residents of East Ridge, that Paige realized that not everyone was reveling in the skipping excitement. What she was seeing were the first attacks from the brain-hungry zombies. Where they came from, we will get to, but now the next recording is truly revealing. We will hear as Paige took refuge and saw firsthand the zombie invasion that struck our little town.
6: Okay, listeners, this is Paige Booker reporting to you from downtown East Ridge. This is breaking news. A horde of zombies has descended upon downtown East Ridge. There was a large group of people who were here to learn how to skip, because that's how intelligent the people in this town are. They need a lesson to skip. Anyway, I was here to cover that story, then this happened, the whole zombie apocalypse thing, and my manager said, a good reporter will do anything to get a good story. So, when I should be fleeing for my life, I'm now stuck inside my car, hoping that none of these brain-eating zombies is able to break in. Get out of here! Don't hit the window! Stop it! I'm just trying to do a news story, and with the media... They're, they're walking away. All right, whatever. They're leaving and so am I. This is Paige Booker signing off for good. Stupid town. The library has a phantom. I get prank called all the time by some guy named Randy. Then I was almost killed by a vampire. And now zombies. I'm out of here.
5: What you've just heard is a firsthand account of the terror that descended upon the downtown section of Eastridge, and you also heard Paige Booker's immediate resignation. When we reached out to her to ask for additional comments on what she had witnessed, Paige replied that she wasn't interested in participating. At least that's how we interpreted the expletive-ridden email she sent back to us. Now, while Paige might have given her notice that she was no longer interested in being employed by Eastridge Public Radio, We were fortunate that her audio recorder remained on and operating despite her throwing it out of the window of her car. The next audio clip you're about to hear is the continuation of the previous clip. In this clip you'll hear how an unlikely hero rose up and saved the day. Amid a scene of chaos and corpses, both living and dead, it was Topher Powers who answered the call and saved the day. And despite his busy schedule, Mr. Powers was kind enough to call into our station and explain his motivations. Here's the recording of Topher's phone call.
4: Well, as you know, I was simply giving my demonstration and teaching people why it's hip to skip. All was going well, and the enthusiasm was more contagious than scabies. I was taking a small break and admiring a new vest that a fan had given me when I noticed some folks weren't skipping all that well. I know sometimes it isn't the easiest to get a handle on the skip, especially amongst the geriatric crowds, but this was different. These folks seemed to just be lurching about. I got up and took a closer look, and when I noticed they were biting people, I started to realize they weren't skipping enthusiasts. They were brain-eating zombies. I knew that this wasn't going to end well, and that something had to be done. Fortunately, I had my machine gun collection with me. After my demonstrations, I always need to clear my head and decompress a bit. So I was planning to head over to the shooting range after my day was done and fire off a few rounds. But, when I saw the zombies were attacking, I knew the moment was truly kismet. I grabbed one of my favorite machine guns and just went to town. I felt bad obliterating so many zombies, but I knew I had to help out and restore peace. Because without peace... We can't be
5: skipping. And that portion of our story is really that simple. An event was held, the attendees were attacked by zombies, and a world champion skipper saved the day. Simple, not unusual. But the next part of our story isn't as simple. You see, in times of chaos, people want answers and someone to blame. And the residents of East Ridge are no different. So, it was about three days later that a town meeting was held at the Civic Center, and Police Commissioner Lance Bricoli facilitated questions from concerned residents. Nearly 150 people attended, and what started out civil at first became anything but. I was on hand to make an audio recording of the event, and for the next half of this broadcast we will play the recording I made on the town meeting. You'll hear my assessment at the beginning, then I let the story tell itself. At the recording's conclusion, I'll share my closing thoughts on the terror that East Ridge has to look forward to. With that, here's the East Ridge Town Meeting, where we were able to determine who let the zombies out. Okay, Curtis Baxter here, and I'm on scene at the East Ridge Civic Center. We're in the Civic Center's largest meeting room. It's a very big space, like a gymnasium. There's a stage at one end of the room, complete with a podium and microphone, and rows of folding chairs are in the front of the stage. A healthy murmur is about as residents file in and find a place to sit. Seems like there will be quite a crowd here today. As I just mentioned, there's a microphone up at the podium on the stage, and it looks like there's another microphone down on the floor there, in front of the stage. It's on a little microphone stand. From what I have heard, they'll be doing a Q&A with the residents, so I imagine that's where people will ask their questions from. We're patched into the sound system here, so audio shouldn't be an issue. As far as the vibe of the people entering, you can sort of feel an anxiety in the room. And that is to be expected after what just happened with the zombies attacking. And, uh, what's going on over here? It looks like a side door is opening. And coming out of the side door is uh, Police Commissioner Lance Bricoli. Commissioner Bricoli is heading up to the main stage. A packet of papers in one hand and a big mug of coffee in the other. He's now standing at the podium. As I was just saying, we've got a patch into the Civic Center's audio system, so we'll get a good, clear audio. Are we...
1: Are we on? Yes? Okay. Uh, please take your seats, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're going to get started.
5: Looks like he's getting ready to begin, so we'll let Commissioner Bricoli and the residents take it from here. This is Curtis Baxter with Eastridge Public Radio, signing off for now.
1: Um, okay. Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm Police Commissioner Lance Bricoli. Uh Before we get started with the Q&A, I have a quick announcement to make. Temporarily, the downtown will be shut off for a week while our street department continues to clean up the mess of corpses. Uh, uh, There are some other safety protocols we have implemented along with some suggestions for your own health and safety, but the list is long and I doubt me talking about it here will do any good. So all of those new protocols can be found on the police department's website. Uh, Now I know a lot of you have questions and I'm here to answer them as best I can. This is a difficult time for everyone, and I just ask that you remain civil and respectful with your questions. There's a microphone at the front of the room. Uh, Please use that to ask your question. Uh, State your name first, then ask the question. All right, let's go ahead and get started, then. uh, You, sir, you're you're first. Please,
2: go ahead. My name is Nicholas Dweeb, and I'm a resident of Eastridge. I do not have a question at this time, but I would like to publicly thank Mr. Topher Powers for saving all of us. It was because of his actions we are all here today. He looked like a majestic centaur. And I would like to put forth the suggestion that we rename a street after him for its heroism. That is
1: a very nice thing to suggest, uh, Mr. Dweeb. I recommend you take that suggestion up with the town council when they come out of hiding. Thank you.
2: I will. I shall add a note in
1: my day planner. Yeah, you do that. Next person.
7: I'm Chet Norrington, and I gotta say, this town is
5: weird. We
7: have vampires, ghosts,
0: lizardmen creatures, goblins, and now (laughs) zombies. And I think we all want to know, where these zombies come from?
1: Thank you, Mr. Norrington. Your question is appreciated. Uh, We are conducting an investigation. It is slow going, but we're working on it. We'd appreciate any help that anyone might have to offer on this. If if you saw something outside of people having their brains eaten, something that might be of use for us to determine where and how this all started, please share it with us.
0: Cow chips and salsa! That's all double talk. No real action is being taken.
1: Yeah, thanks for the question, Mark. Come on, let's go. Let's keep it moving. Next question. Uh, your honor? Young man, this is not the trial.
8: Oh, sorry,
5: your honor. Uh, my name's Dewey Edwards. That's Edwards. E-D-W... Oh, just
1: get on with it.
5: Right. Uh, with what you just said about sharing information about how the zombie invasion started... I'd like to testimonialize today and state for the record that I believe that a young man named Winston was somehow involved.
0: That's it, Cupcake Head! This is the last time you try and humiliate me! Don't call me Cupcake
1: hey, Head! We'll you know I have diabetes! S- settle down. Every, everyone, settle down. We'll Deputy, get those we'll two out of here. Let them settle it on the playground. We're Let's go. Everyone, we're not here to have fights break out or slap fuss, okay? I need something valid, something legitimate that might be of use in solving where the zombies came from.
4: Uh Mr. Broccoli?
1: It's pronounced broccoli.
4: Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, may I have a moment at the microphone? I think me and my associate might have something.
1: Is it valid?
4: I believe so, sir. I believe it is as you say, valid.
1: Then by all means.
4: O- okay, great. Come on, Stanley. Yeah, um, my name is Lester York, and this is my associate, Stanley Cottonwood. Uh, Hello. And we are the owners and operators of Verminators Incorporated. We are a rodent extermination company that can be found locally in Eastridge. We can take care of any infestation of rodentia that you might have. No, no, No job or rodent is too big. We have business cards that we can pass out. Gentlemen,
1: do you know something about where the zombies originated from, or are you
4: just trying to sell your business? Uh, no, no, we're sorry. Um, anyway, we were recently hired by the Von Princeton Research Center to handle an issue they were having with rodent infestation. Are you familiar with the Research Center? It's on the north side of town, then. Yes, Mr. York, I'm aware of the Von Princeton Research Center and its location. Okay, yeah, I figured. Well... We were contracted to take care of an issue they were having with mice. But they wanted us to come in on a Saturday on account that they felt it might be easier for us to lay our traps and what have you. So the Saturday when the zombies attacked was the day we were there. We began early in the day. We were there on time at 9 a.m. Yeah, we were punctual. And we began doing our usual inspection and determined that we were going to have to set traps all around the research center. This included the main floor, the second floor, and the basement. So it took us a few hours to get the first and second floors set up, you know, with, with the traps and all. And by the time we got down to the basement, I'd say it was, uh, I don't know, about noon? Actually, it was 12.45. Really? That late? Yeah, I, I, I was hungry and I kept checking my watch.
1: Fellas, the time discrepancy
4: will be noted. Just keep going. Right, so we set traps all around the basement. Now, down there in the basement, they got a bunch of different workshop-like rooms in there. You know, science lab stuff, or science things. So we put traps in all of those rooms, and also in the closets, and anywhere we deemed it necessary because we are very thorough. However, there was one room we couldn't get into. This room had a guard in front of it, and its door looked like a big bank vault. Real big-like. Very big, and it had one of those keypad thingies. Yeah, what he means is that there's like a code you have to punch in in order to get the door open. Well, me and Stanley, we take our work very seriously, as I have mentioned. And we want our customers to be happy. So we asked the security guard in front of the door to let us into that room. But he wouldn't let us in. That's right. He said not to worry about putting any mouse traps in that room because it was restricted. I didn't question him any further because this security guard seemed like a decent dude. The kind of guy I'd go bowling with, but it's not an option because he has since passed. And your elbow, Lester. That, too. I, I got a bum elbow and kept me off the lanes for a few months now. Hang on. W- what do you mean he has since passed? Like, the security guard, he's dead? Yes, he has, um, expired. So the zombies got him? Well, now, I'm pretty sure it wasn't the zombies. Yeah, not, not the zombies. Then what happened? Well, I'm getting to that, Mr. Bococco. See, after he said the room was restricted and that we didn't need to worry about it, me and Stanley began packing our stuff up. We were done for the day, and Stanley was getting the shakes, so we were going to head out. I, I, I get shaky when I need a drink. Yeah, you got to see us, problem now. Anyway, like I was saying, we were packing our stuff up, and we checked a few of the mouse traps in one of the laboratory rooms to make sure they were ready to go. All of a sudden, we heard the security guard making a noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounded like he was choking. Choking? Yeah, yeah choking. Real throaty, like... <laughs>
1: Okay, what was he choking
4: on? That's what we were trying to figure out. See, we were in one of the science laboratory rooms when we heard this. When we realized he was choking, we came out of the room and saw him down the hallway. Unfortunately, by that time, he had perished. So this guard choked to death, and you just left him there? Well, we were gonna help, but that's when things got really weird. How so? Remember that room I was telling you about that the security guard was watching? The room, he said, was restricted with the keypad thingy. Yeah, see, after the security guard choked, we saw the buttons on the keypad thingy light up and beep. Beep! 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 Sounded a lot like that, Stanley. That was very good. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, now, when when you say the buttons lit
1: up and beeped, do you mean someone was entering the code to get into the room? Well, that's what it seemed like. But, 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 but no one else was down there. You guys were alone. Like you were the only ones in the basement that is correct okay so the keypad lit up the buttons were pushed then what happened well the big
4: door to the restricted room opened and from there zombies came out of the room my associate is truthful zombies began walking out of this room the first thing they did was eat the corpse of the recently deceased security guard then from there they headed up the stairs to the first floor and exited the building. And then what did you two do? We followed them for a short distance, but we didn't want to get too close on account of them being zombies and all. So after a minute or two, I instructed Stanley to telephone the police and report this incident. But, but, but no one picked up.
1: Hmm, probably called at lunchtime.
4: Well, after we saw them marching towards the downtown and not being able to get a hold of the police, we did the most logical thing we could think of we hid. Yeah, we took shelter in a nearby business that specializes in spirits, booze. That's actually where we've been up to a few hours ago.
1: So you're saying that you two saw a man suddenly choke to death, and the door to a restricted area at the Von Princeton Research Facility opened on its own, and the zombies that attacked our town came from this room?
4: Yes, that is what we saw. The door just opened on its own? Yes sir, that is a fact. Everything about the situation was very strange. We're not entirely sure of what caused the security guard to choke, nor are we entirely sure of how the door with the keypad thingy opened on its own. We speculated a number of theories while we were taking shelter, but not much adds up. I I, I think it
5: was aliens.
4: Yeah, the alien theory is definitely one to consider, but I'm not convinced by the Loch Ness Monster theory that you got there. You know, that 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 one don't make any sense to me.
3: I got a theory. My theory is that one of you opened the door.
2: Yeah. Doors with keypad thingies don't just open on their own. Sounds like these two know more than what they're saying. I say
1: we take these two outside and make them talk.
2: Let's get the real story out of them.
1: Yes, Mob Justice. Everyone settle down. We're not going to have anything like that here. We don't have to listen to you. Come on, everyone. Let's get these guys.
4: Hey. Get your hands off me! I got a bad elbow! So, so, so stop touching me! I, I'm, I'm getting shaky!
1: Can we get some police officers over here to break this up?
7: Excuse me, Mr. Bricoli? May I have a moment to speak?
1: Hang on, hang on, everyone. Someone's at the microphone, I think.
7: Wasn't someone just... Where did Where did that come from? Oh, I'm here at the microphone, Mr. What, what? What is going on? Who, who's talking? Like I just said, I'm at the microphone, sir. I think I can explain a few things. Does someone have one of those roaming microphones or cordless microphones or whatever? Okay, I'm going to have to do this the hard way. I was the one who let the zombies out. Someone just admitted to being responsible. I knew someone was behind it. We have someone new to blame. Who said that? Look, you can't see me because I'm invisible. Invisible? What a load of baloney.
2: Yeah, total baloney. Show yourself, you coward.
7: I can't show myself because I'm invisible. Here, everyone look at Mr. Broccoli. Now, see the cup of coffee that he has in front of him?
0: <laughs> oh, my face! <gasps> Freeze! I told ya! This town's full of nothing the freaks!
7: Yeah, you're sort of right. Let me summarize things for you. My name is Jim Opeck. Against my will, I was turned invisible about a year ago. I was tricked into being a test subject for a mad scientist. This scientist, who completely took advantage of me, died just moments after turning me invisible. His death was an accident and came about after he slipped in his laboratory and hit his head on the ground. But I was blamed for his death, and the people of this town branded me a murderer without knowing all the facts. After that happened, I was pretty mad and decided to get revenge. Over the course of the past 12 months, I've done petty little things to get back at you all. And while I enjoyed seeing people get mad, irritated, and in some cases disgusted, I realized I need to really up my game. You know, do the whole reign of terror thing. This is where the zombies come into play. I have no idea what the Von Princeton Research Center was doing with a room full of zombies in the first place, but I figured they would be perfect for my revenge plans. So the other day, coincidentally, while Mumbo and Jumbo were at the research center, I simply walked in, found the code for the restricted room's door, and let the zombies out. From there, I watched as they made their way downtown and attacked the skipping demonstration. I was nervous at first. I mean... Zombies want brains, and I wasn't certain that the residents of this town would suffice. But lo and behold, it
2: worked. You did this? Are you crazy? What else is this madman going to do?
7: Yes to the first two questions, and for the final question, well, I'm not entirely sure yet. I was pretty thrilled to see what the zombies did, and I'm curious what other horrors akin to that I might be able to unleash on this town. I suppose it's all the work and progress, but rest assured, there's more to come. Are there any more questions? Because now's the time. Yeah, I,
1: I got a question.
7: Sure, go right ahead. Are you naked? I just told you that I'm invisible, crazy, and planning to do a bunch of evil things. And that's your question?
1: I, I, I was just curious.
7: <sighs> no, I'm not naked. The clothes I was wearing were turned invisible as well. And yes, it's a bit of a process, but I do wash them.
2: What if we just apologized?
7: It's a little late for that, and this whole being invisible thing and being able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, is pretty intoxicating.
2: But what if we just stopped you now? Yeah, come on, let's get in. <laughs> I think I've got him. No, no, you've just got me. Look told me. I feel weird.
7: Hey, everyone. I'm actually up on the stage now, behind the podium. I suppose the effort you all just made is probably the best you're going to be able to do collectively. I figured this would be easy, especially considering that I'm invisible and no one here is very intelligent, but I didn't know it would be this easy. Now I'm going to leave, but before I do, I just want to remind all of you that I'll be here, planning plotting, and doing very evil things for a very long time. Stay sharp and alert, my dim-witted friends. Till the next catastrophe, Invisible Man, out.
2: Y'all think he's still here? I don't know. I mean, I don't see him. Let's burn this place down to be safe.
5: Well, listeners, I'm back. I imagine you can guess what happened. The townsfolk did indeed burn down the Civic Center, and then following the fire, they all scattered and hid. It's been a hectic three weeks, and I'd like to say this town is healing, and things are returning to normal. But they aren't. We've got a true madman on the loose. This madman is, in fact, Jim Opeg, the Invisible Man. And the real horror of all of this is that he wants revenge on our community and he could be anywhere. He could be in your house at any moment. He could be watching you as you prepare dinner for your loved ones. He could be in your car with you as you drive to work. Maybe he's following you around the supermarket. He could be anywhere. And that is truly the fear that all of us have to live with from now on. This is a madman we can't see. A madman who let out the zombies. A madman who is watching. How was that?
7: Pretty good. It'll work for now, but I'm sure these people will need another reminder in the near future.
4: Well, it sounds like the mystery has been solved. It was, in fact, the invisible man who caused all the commotion. Rather terrifying when you think about it, really. What if all the bad that occurs is actually the product of a crazed invisible person? Really makes you think. Now, before we wrap things up, I should ask. Winston, do we have any callers? We do! Excellent. Let's put them through.
0: Okay, here you go!
4: Greetings, caller. You're on the air. This is Piedmont Montgomery of Volumes of Fear.
8: Piedmont? It, it's me, Pete. R- remember me? I am the one that killed all those people at the mental hospital when I escaped.
4: Pete? Oh, listeners, uh, our caller is a gentleman known as Pete, or, or rather Paranoid Pete. He is a, a patient at the Peaksfield Mental Hospital, or, or was a patient, and... Not long ago, he might have committed several grisly murders when he escaped and visited the studios of Eastridge Public Radio, where we are right now, and all because he was paranoid that people were talking about him, Uh, hence the name, Paranoid Pete. Uh, Well, Pete, uh, you sound healthy and rather free of captivity? That's right, Piedmont. I'm out, and I'm loving every minute of it. Ah, very very good, um, be well, and don't do anything regrettable. But Piedma, I,
8: I already have regrets over something I did. See, my regret is that I used a knife for my last massacre.
4: So you regret creating a massacre, that's, that's actually a good sign.
0: Yeah, definite sign of healing!
8: Uh, no, I, I regret using a knife to commit the massacre.
4: I don't follow.
8: You see, when I first went nuts, my, my weapon of choice was a pizza cutter. It, it's sharp and very unique, but I couldn't get my hands on one the last time. I, I had to make do with what I had access to, but I, I'm ready to make things right. So, I got a new pizza cutter.
4: Was that what I just heard?
8: Yes, sir. The new one is so nice. I I can't wait to show you. Sh- sh-
4: show me a, a Pete, a Pete, a, a, par- a paranoid Pete?
0: He hung up!
4: Ooh, that's bad.
0: Yeah, it's not good!
4: Okay, let's wrap things up then. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Wait, what about the social media plugs? Did you not just hear the last caller? Oh, you promised I could do the social media plugs. Okay, very well. But let's chop-chop, shall we? Follow Volumes of Fear on Facebook,
2: Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to visit our presenter, Vivicot Media. They play a big role in producing the episodes
1: of Volumes of
4: Fear. Excellent. A great job and, and well done. Now, my loyal lunatics, don't forget to share the scare and like the lunacy. This episode of
3: Volumes of Fear featured the acting talents of Swirl, Andy Collins, Shannon Riley, J.C. Rositas, Derek DeBoer, Josh Berkey, and Nathan Pratt. It was produced by Andy Collins and J.C. Rositas from a script written by Andy Collins. Audio editing and mixing, original music and sound design was by J.C. Rositas. The artwork was created by Derek DeBoer. Special music contribution and additional Foley work was by Swirl. This episode was presented by Vivacomp Media. Visit them online at vivacomp.net. Follow Volumes of Fear on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.